If you're watching this today, it means that we've had to cancel our uh, campus services and we're showing this uh, via our online uh, service. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I realize it's the second week in a row I've had to pre-record my sermon, but I do appreciate uh, you joining us. Please be safe out there. And if you need assistance, please let us know. And if you have a special prayer request, please send them via emails or text or maybe uh, the chat on Facebook. Friends, I'm so excited to be with you again today as we're continuing the series we're calling Focus. And again, I, I do want to say to you, thank you for all your prayers for Christy and myself while she had COVID. She did very well with it, thankfully. It didn't have any harsh effects upon her and she's gone back to work already. Uh, but again, we thank you for your prayers. But we know that there are a lot of families out there that are dealing with COVID right now. And uh, many of you listening may be dealing with it as well. We want you to know that you're in our prayers and it is our hope that your symptoms will be as light as Christie's were. Now, back to our sermon. As we start this new year, 2022, we certainly want to begin and maintain our focus throughout the year. And that's why we started this year with this series. Now, next week, Lance is going to close out the series with a message called Focus on Your Family. And I think that's going to be a very important message, and I hope that you will all come for that. But during our time together, uh, we have been hitting on many different areas of focus. One of the most important facets of our focus and our faith is our mission. And so today we're going to be talking about focusing on our mission. Believe it or not, pastors and ministers aren't the only ones called to reach the world with the message of Christ. God desires that we all play a part in that effort. And today I want us to regain a new fire within us for reaching those that are lost so that Christ can call them found. As most of you know, Uber is one of the more popular alternatives to a taxi. In fact, I think we've had a couple of guys drive uh, as Uber drivers from here at Christ Church. Um, now, Uber did a survey in 2017 detailing items that had been left in their vehicles. Now, these lost items were listed in a database, and then they were studied for any useful information they might provide. For example, and this may not be a surprise to anybody, the most common items lost included cell phones, rings, keys, and wallets. Again, no surprise. I don't know if you would be surprised by this, but the city in the United States found to be the most forgetful city is Los Angeles. <laughs> and then the most forgetful day of 2016 was October the 30th. I don't know why, I'm just the messenger, right? Sundays saw the largest average spike in lost wedding dresses. And Tuesdays saw the largest average increase in lost bathing suits. Again, I don't know why, but the list rounds off with some of the most unique items left behind 
in Uber vehicles, including a valuable Nordic walking poles, a lobster, think about that, finding a lobster in your car, cornhole boards, a potted plant, elf cutout. I don't know what that is, but an elf cutout. Nintendo money bag and, and a violin. So a lot of things that Uber drivers have found in their cars after folks have left. Now, in a spiritual context, the Bible speaks about things that are lost and found. And actually not things, but people. One might wonder what the accumulated data from a lost and found index from God's perspective might look like, and who might be on top of that list. Liars, cheaters, thieves, executives, public servants, widows, teachers, children, preachers. Paul's words could round off the list for each one of us. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And friends, that is a truth that every human being, no matter where they're from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what job they have, no matter how vast their education, every human being is a sinner. Now the problem is that most people don't realize that they are lost. This term, lost, is not suggesting that they don't know where they are. It means that they are lost to God, that they are not with God. They are lost in the sense that they don't have a relationship with Christ, and because of that, their eternity is doomed. They are lost in the sense of being dead spiritually. So when we think about a mission to save the lost, God is our passionate leader. Yes, God is passionate about reaching the lost. This is His mission, and He is on a mission. Now, our discussion on our mission has to start with God's mission. So what is God's mission? There are many different mentions of God's mission within the Bible. And one of the clearest references is actually in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And it is clear when we read that in other passages what God's mission is. And that is, as children of God, we are to share that same mission. You see the big idea for this message today? Is that God's mission is to seek and save the lost. God's mission must be our mission as Christians, as a church, that has to be our number one most important mission. Now, I'm not sure that you would put Habakkuk on your list of top scriptures teaching about God's mission, but it actually does clearly spell it out for us. So if you'll open up your Bible to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, I believe also Cruz will have that on the video. The Lord says these words, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters 
cover the sea. Now we clearly see in this verse what God's mission is. That the entire earth, the whole world, if you think about this background, the entire world would know about God's glory. That every person in the world would know about God's glory. Now, how does someone come to know about the glory of God? I would suggest to you that by knowing God Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the only true way of knowing the glory of God. This is a logical conclusion. Friends, now that we know what our mission is, that we are here to seek and save the lost on behalf of God, let's talk about how God intends to accomplish this. In Matthew chapter 28, the final chapter of Matthew's gospel, the last few statements that Jesus makes to His disciples are telling us exactly how to partner with God in His mission for this world. Now, starting in verse 19, we read, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, with this statement, Jesus tells us three different things in particular that we need to be doing. Guiding us as we focus on our call to reach the world. The first of which is to go. Yes, where to go? God answers that question. Now, there seems to be this popular misconception in the Christian world that the only mission field is overseas in a third world country. And I want to be clear. I have been to Ghana, and I've been to Rwanda, and I've been to Togo, and I've been to India. I totally believe and support the work that is going on there. We as a church have made many commitments to Central India Christian Mission, to the Togo Christian Mission, to the Rwanda Challenge, to uh, uh, Indonesia where uh, Sean Cooper is at, and to Africa Hope Initiatives. I mean, we give up over 13% of our church income to both overseas and local ministries that are reaching the lost. We've also had quite a few members of our church who have traveled overseas to support these works. In fact, it was one of those trips that the team from Christ Church started, A-H-I-U-S-A, that is Africa Hope Initiatives, which Jennifer Parker is heading up. And we'll be hearing more about that in the days and weeks ahead. So we fully believe and support global mission efforts. However, God's call to share the gospel is not limited to an overseas mission. This is a follow-up to Luke's gospel account, but here is what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, 
and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now you see in that verse, Jesus shows us the important principle of starting from where you are. Starting right there and working your way out. In essence, we have to be a people who understand the importance of God's mission right here in our own community. The disciples would begin sharing their faith in Jerusalem and then going out into Judea and then going over into Samaria and finally to the ends of the earth. Now, we believe in that. We believe in that process. I'm going to tell you that uh, Lance and the teenagers are planning a trip to Washington, D.C., um, I think in the summer, and their effort is going to be there to impact people for the name of Christ. So yes, we go out even here, locally, in our country, but right here in our own community. Several years ago, two teenage girls became friends, and one of them attended church with her family here at Christ Church. And that family invited the other girl's family to church, and they started attending, and soon Gil Johansson was asking questions and showing real interest. We had a fall festival back then, and Gil asked if he could talk with me. And he said he didn't understand this thing about a relationship with God versus a religion. So here we believe that everyone needs a relationship with God. And through that relationship, we can have the peace of knowing that we're saved. So we went out and we talked about it, and at the end of that conversation, Gil said he wanted to be baptized right then. He went home, got his shorts, came back, we baptized him. Well, Gil at that point was just on fire, and he started telling people about his faith. and He, he got to know another guy through a, a, another girl that was a friend of his daughter, and they started talking. In fact, they started going to play golf some, and they would talk on the golf course, and that guy's name was Lee Blankenship. And Lee started coming to church and eventually became a, a member here. Now, Lee had been in church years before. Lee had faith, but he had just slipped away. But through Gil, Lee was brought back into a relationship with Christ. And today, Lee loves the Lord, and he helps other people in need. And Lee has cancer and is having treatments. And I want to ask you to be in prayer for Lee. And Lee, if you're watching online, I want you to know, brother, we love you, and we are praying for you, and we appreciate all that you do. But God used these teenage friendships to win parents and bring parents to Christ. And we see this happening over and over again. One friend reaching another friend, reaching another friend, and that's the way it goes. This was one of many instances where I was able to see God's mission advanced in our own community. And if it could happen to these families that I'm talking about, friend, it can happen for you. All you have to do is step out of your comfort zone. Throughout this series, we've talked seriously about the choice of stepping out in faith. For some, that may look like 
sharing the good news of Jesus with a co-worker. Or for others, it might look like having a Jesus conversation with a relative or family member that has been turned off to the gospel for a while. For still others, it might be having a discussion on a golf course. Bart Guin and his boys invited some of their basketball buddies to join them in a Bible and basketball study. But you see, whatever that step looks like for you, Jesus makes it clear. The mission field for us is not just overseas somewhere. It is right here in our own backyard, in our own living room, and in our own place of work. God's desire is to use you and me as vessels to accomplish His purpose, His mission. Now the next part of Jesus' statement in Matthew 28 is moving from where to go to what to say. What do we say? What is it that He wants us to say to people? Well, in Matthew 28, 19, we look again. We see, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the call to spread the gospel of Jesus involves not only the act of going to people and talking to them, but also bringing them into relationship with Christ, baptizing them and teaching them. So I want to talk about the importance of baptism and the importance of teaching. Baptism is something that we practice in the local church here uh, after someone has come to faith in Christ. That means we don't baptize an infant because that infant has no knowledge of Jesus. When a person comes to a place where they believe in Christ and they recognize their sins and that their sins have separated them from God and they repent of those sins and they confess their faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the next step in that process is to baptize them into Christ. Jesus invites us to baptize people into the family of faith by using the names of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a time of our rebirth. It is a part of the process we go through to be changed and converted to Christ. Now, Scripture lays out several things that God does in us through baptism. Through baptism, our sins are forgiven. If you remember when Saul went to Ananias, remember he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and he was led to the city, and there he met this guy named Ananias. And God had already warned Ananias, told him what to do. And Ananias had this to say to Saul in Acts twenty-two sixteen. He said, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on His name. We also understand from Scripture that through faith and repentance and confession and baptism, that we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you look back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we believe, our leadership here at Christ Church believes, that that gift of the Holy Spirit is the indwelling of that Spirit in every individual Christian's life. We also learn from Scripture that through baptism, we become new creations. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, you'll read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what's interesting in that passage is that we, when we come into relationship with Christ, we become new creations. Now what makes us a new creation? I would suggest to you it is the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And as I have said, when does that Spirit indwell us? It seems that the Bible teaches us that when we are baptized into Christ, after having had faith and repented and confessed, and so we become a new creation. And when we become a new creation, we also are committed to this message of reconciliation. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, we also read, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We would believe that is a reference to our baptism. Now we also go on to understand that through baptism we are clothed with Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 26, we read, So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we're clothed with Him. We wear His colors. We wear His name. We belong to Him. And then we learn that through baptism we are unified with Christ. In Romans 6, 4 we read, we were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we're unified with Christ in His death and burial and resurrection. Through baptism, we become a part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, not His physical body, but the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, we read, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. 
So there is no question in my mind or in the minds of our leadership here at Christ Church that from a biblical perspective, baptism is much more than an outward sign of what is going on in our hearts. It is us submitting to the will of God, dying to our old self, and being raised as a new person in Christ. Now we have to be careful though that we don't think that getting someone baptized is the end goal. And I think that's where a lot of times we have a problem. There is much more to faith than just baptism. You might look at baptism as the end of the beginning. It's sort of the end of the process of coming into this relationship with Christ, but that's the beginning of the process. I want to talk to you about the importance of teaching. While baptism is important, so is teaching others about Christ and about His command, about the Word of God. Now, let's look back at our text in Matthew 28. And I want us to look at verse 20 in the first part of verse 20. He says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus spent much of His earthly ministry teaching those disciples and the nearby crowds. For instance, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7, through Jesus taught new commands to the people who were listening. Now, many of those commands were in reference to Old Testament law that many of those listeners would have been very familiar with as Jews. However, Jesus did not intend these teachings to just stay within them. In other words, for them just to hear it and then keep it all to themselves. Instead, His desire is for us to read them and to receive them and then to share them. In my experience, people are a lot more receptive to anything you have to tell them if they first of all know that you care about them, that you love them. Much of what Jesus models in His ministry is this very thing. You may remember in John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus gives a new command when He calls us to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I want to just ask you, friend, are you modeling this in your daily life? You know, it's easy for someone in our family or our close friends and groups that we hang out with to know that we love them. But what about those people who are a, a little further out on the perimeter there? What about those who we do not interact with much on a day-to-day -day basis? Jesus desires that before we teach, before we baptize, that we show the love of Christ to all those around us. And that's how God's mission will be accomplished through us, His people. After we baptize someone, do we just let them go and fail to teach them further? I believe discipleship is much more than getting someone dunked in a baptistry. It is continuing to teach them and to help them grow. And we as a church are here to assist you in this. If you have a friend that you're sharing your faith with and that you're trying to teach and 
encourage. We are here to help you. You can bring them to church with you. Get them into a small group with you. Invite them to go with you to a small group. Again, we want to help. But the goal is not just to get someone baptized, but to help them mature in their relationship with Jesus. Now, our small groups have started up again, and if you're looking for one of those to get connected to, please let us know that. We, we want to help you. And use that small group as an opportunity to bring one of your friends who you are trying to reach. You see, people are also not going to follow this instruction unless they are mature or at least passionate about their faith. Friends, there is one more part of Jesus' statement in Matthew 28 that can't be missed when we talk about focusing on our mission. And that is that Jesus promises to be with us. This is so important. He is with us always. We are not alone in our efforts. Once again, we look back at our text in Matthew 28, and we look to verse 20 in the second part of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. From the very beginning of time, God's intention was to be as close to His people as possible. But we know that in Genesis chapter 3, we read about sin entering into God's creation and how sin separated man from God. However, here in this verse, Jesus made the promise that He would always be with us through the power of His Spirit. And no matter where you go, what you do, or whom God calls you to, He is with you. When I was a youth minister years ago, I learned from some of the kids in the youth group that one of the boys was doing some drugs. He was getting in uh, to some trouble, and I found out that he was getting those drugs from his older brother. And this was a good kid, and, and I would do anything to help him. And I decided I was going to confront that situation. So I set up a meeting with the young man and his parents. And then I heard from some of the other kids in the youth group that his older brother got wind of this and of my interference. <laughs> and he was making threats. He was telling people what he was going to do to me. Now, I went to that house and I talked with those parents and the young man. And while I was there, the brother showed up. Now, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous about what might happen. But I knew God was with me. And I knew God did not want this to continue. And I was determined that I was not going to back down. And so I sat in the living room with that older brother. And he was all hot and blustery, and he wanted to put a hurting on me, I am telling you, when we started. But I asked him a question. I said, what would you do? If you knew that I was giving your brother poison, what would you do? And he stopped. And I could tell that there was a shift in his demeanor. I asked him, would you just let me keep doing this or would you try to stop it? At the end of the conversation, he committed to stop supplying his brother with drugs. 
Now, I share that not to say, oh, how courageous I was. I, I don't think I was courageous. God just put something in me. You know, when God puts something on you that God's not going to let go of and He's not going to let you go of. And I went in there knowing that God was with me. Whatever happened, God had my back, and He did. Now, similar to that situation in my own life, the disciples had many opportunities to witness the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, even against great opposition. They knew that Jesus was with them through that power. But I wonder how many times they still doubted when in situations like this. I wonder if you've been in a similar situation, just like Peter, as we mentioned uh, in a previous sermon, how he walked on water towards Jesus where you know there is a higher power sustaining you, but you still have a doubt. Listen, friends, God's mission includes you and me. And God is passionate about that mission. And He has uh, His children, He wants His children to be as passionate about it as He is. And I want to encourage you to be passionate about reaching the lost the mission that He gave to you and to me, to His church. Now, throughout this series, I hope and pray that you have been able to see the importance of your focus. When we lose focus of the things that matter, we will slowly but surely start to walk away from Christ. Like Peter, we may sink into the sea, but Christ desires we stay in a constant, growing relationship with Him. So what is currently in the way of you growing in Christ? Are you going to take this year and sort of determine and be committed to your personal growth with Him? What's making you lose your focus? Who is God calling you to focus on today, to advance His mission. Maybe you need to write that name down in your prayer journal. Maybe you need to begin to pray, God, open up those doors for me to share this with my coworker, with my fellow student, with my family member. Friends, I believe if we learn to focus on Christ, who is our rock and our redeemer, we will see transformation in our own lives, yes, but also in lives of people around us. So let's go to Him in prayer right now. Father, there are many in our world and even in our community around us that do not know You. And Father, we ask You today to use us to reach them for Christ. Get me out of my comfort zone so that you can use me. And I pray that for everybody that's listening today. I, think, I thank you, Father, for those before us who accepted this challenge and this call. We who are saved were saved at least in part due to their efforts. And so, Father, I thank you for those parents. I thank you for those teachers. I thank you for those preachers. I thank you for those 
others and friends who influenced us to come to know you. Thank you for them, Father. And I pray for those who are listening today that you would reach into their hearts and lead them to respond, to be that other person who could draw others to Christ. Help us to be aware of those around us who need Jesus. And Father, may your mission be our mission. And may we trust in your presence always. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.